Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Welcome to Edgewood Church. My name is Pastor Matt Harmless. I miss, I miss you guys. This this is this is difficult. Um, there's something unique about being behind the pulpit and speaking uh, to a group of people, talking to a camera. I know I said this last week, but this this is way way more difficult than I thought. I. I what, what's funny is that I, I do this all the time with school-related things and make little school videos and things like that and no no issues at all. But something about trying to preach is difficult. So I need to take a minute here and attempt to visualize you that are going to be listening um, and uh, pray that God will guide and direct um let me in fact let me go ahead and show you uh this next slide here um this is in one of my commentaries and i I felt like this rang true to me to what we're going through to uh um, the entire situation um it's a commentary on first thessalonians and it says, e- even in the midst, this is Mark, a guy named Mark Howell is writing this, even in the midst of the most troubling circumstances, God was doing his work in his way. Paul would never return to the city of Thessalonica, but God was going to do far more there than Paul ever could have imagined. As John Phillips insightfully notes, this is a continuation of that quote, the Holy Spirit showed Paul There was more than one way to evangelize the city. If he could not go back to Thessalonica in person, he could write the church a letter. A new method of evangelism was born. Literature evangelism. Down through the ages, millions have been saved through reading those letters, and millions more have had their faith strengthened. And I thought when I read that, um, I know that's a similar thought to what I had last week, but I think as well for this week and even the challenge of doing this, um, this is a new form of evangelism that I'm not all that comfortable with, but I'm hoping and praying that God uses it. Uh, So um, I thought it was sad as well that Paul never got to go back to Thessalonica. Um, Never got to go back there. That's an interesting thought. And uh, I ho- obviously hope we'll all be back together and probably, hopefully, not that long from now. Um, but uh, this church was thriving apart from Paul being there. He was worried about them, but it was thriving. So I talked about chapter one of First Thessalonians last week. Um, I'm going to jump into First Thessalonians this week, full, full on, and hopefully... Um, God will use this in your life, uh, the things that I've learned and that I'm about to share. But I'm going to pray that, miraculously, God will use this and that the Spirit won't be daunted by the technology, but 
you, when you're listening, it will be as if I'm there with you teaching and preaching to you. Um, I believe God can do that, and I'm praying and hoping for it. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. I ask now that you would, Lord, by your grace, um, bless this time that we have. Bless uh, those who are going to be listening, um, who are listening right now. As um, Lord, I know that uh, there are many in our church that are even thinking preemptively about um, what God might bring to them today. And I just ask, God, that you would bless this time. Um, in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to jump into the first three verses, and uh, uh, let's see here. So uh, verses, oh, that was my prayer slide. Uh, verses one through three. So verse one, we talked about last week. Uh, we spoke of this last week. It was a greeting prayer uh, for grace and peace. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one, you could, you could actually, you could, you could pause me right now and go listen to it. Uh, www.edgewooddanville.org, edgewood-danville.org, and there's a link at the top that says Church Online. Uh, you could click that, and it has all the previous ones that we've done through this situation on there. You could listen to last week's. You could pause, so pause me now. Listen to last week's. Okay, are you back? So now I know everybody has listened to last week's sermon, and so I don't have to go through all of that again. Uh, so the next thing that comes up is verse 2, where Paul jumps into a thanksgiving. Um, G.K. Beale um, writes of this. He says, indeed, this is the only letter because there's a unique element to this particular thanksgiving. Paul does a lot of thanksgiving uh, prayers when he starts his letters. He does it almost every single time. Um, uh <clears throat> Uh, but this one is unique in its length, and so G.K. Beale. Indeed, this is the only letter of Paul's in which the introductory Thanksgiving is not limited to the opening paragraph, but covers the span of the first three chapters. Um, and so it's interesting. He actually goes on um, from verse 2 all the way to chapter 2, verse 12, and his formally picks up that Thanksgiving again in 2.13, and then again in 3.9. Um, so we're going to start digging into this Thanksgiving this week. I'm only going to get through uh, verses 2 and 3. Uh, so verse 2. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to verse 2 here. Verse 2. Paul writes, we, we being who? I think I have a pen. Let's get a pen here. We. Uh, who's the we? Uh, isn't that Paul, Silas, and... Um, Timothy uh, said Silvanus, but we know that's Silas. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remember that Paul's just established his church. Um, he had to leave urgently in a rush. Um, I'd be worried about this church, whether or not it would make it. I'm sure Paul was. Um, but they are, as we're going to see, they were thriving. Um, so Paul is thankful for all of them. Uh, how often? How often is he thankful? Constantly. Thanks, God, always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in my prayers. So he's mentioning them all the time. So you just imagine uh, Paul um, praying with uh, uh, Silas and Timothy. And, oh, Lord, uh, I just thank you, God, for the Thessalonian church. And I can hear Timothy and Silas in the background. Yeah, amen, Lord, amen. Uh, praying for this church and, and thanking God for them. 
Um, so he's, he's, he's praying for things and he remembers them and he mentions them. Um, as our, uh, Lena, let's see here. If you remember our last study, first Corinthians, a little bit of a different situation with first Corinthians, Paul was definitely like, okay, here's some issues. Uh, with this church, it doesn't come that direction as quickly. He jumps into this Thanksgiving and it lasts and lasts. What a encouraging, um, church this would be. All right, but let's go to verse three, because I don't have a huge amount of time here. Uh, verse three. Nope. Why do I have to turn my pen off here? Technical difficulties. There we go. All right, there we go. Verse, sorry about that. Um, verse three um, says, remembering, so this is a continuation of verse two. Um, this is what he's talking about in his prayers as he's constantly mentioning them in his prayers with uh, Silas and Timothy there. And he says this, remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith and the labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to go back to my uh, pen here, even though I, I got now I know I got to turn it back off when I'm done. Um, remembering before God. So the notes, there's three things here. Here's the first one, work of faith. Okay. The second one is a labor of love. And the third one is, a steadfastness of hope. Now, this word in is interesting. Um, I couldn't get a solid answer. I believe that this in is referring primarily to this one, our hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It could be referring back to all those faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, love in our Lord Jesus Christ, but I believe it's specifically referring back to the hope. Not that uh, important in the overall scheme of things, but as I'm just exposing, breaking this down, that was one of my questions I had. And uh, from what I could tell, it's it's most likely just referring to this one hope, even though it could refer to the faith and the love. But here we have these three things, this triad. Now, I think this is interesting, and I want to pause here for just a moment. This is interesting, This these three things, and let's see if I can change the color of my pen. Can I change the color of my pen? Um, oh, here we go. Let's go. Right. All right. So let's call this a triad. Try three. Um, these three things Paul mentions quite often. Um, in fact, in Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, this triad of faith, um, love, and hope. Now, in Corinthians, and I'm not for sure about the other references I mentioned, but in Corinthians, the order of these is switched up. Does anybody remember what the order is? Yes, yeah. Oh, I see that hand. No. Close, close. That's right. There you got it. Somebody got it. Uh, faith, uh, in 1 Corinthians, it goes faith, hope, and love. And then remember, he says, then the greatest of these is love. So Paul does a little bit of a different thing here in this one, and it's possible that he emphasized hope this time with the Thessalonians because that's where they're struggling. That's where they're, um, uh, we're, we're going to see that's where they're, they're having issues uh, and needing that encouragement of hope. But honestly, 
don't read too much into the order of these particular things. I know that the greatest of these is love because that's what Paul says. But in this case, the, the key here is this is what's uh, spurring Paul's gratitude. Um, the gratitude that's coming. So if a Christian is truly, and I'm going to say this a couple times, if, if a Christian is truly uh, thankful or grateful, thankful in Christ, I mean the real thing, a gratitude that's coming from the, the Spirit of God, it's rooted in these three things. These are things that I long to see in all of you, and I know that you long to see in me, faith, love, and hope. Um, there are three key demonstrations as well of what Christianity looks like, uh, to be a genuine Christian, faith, love, and hope. Uh, not to mean that you would be doing these things perfectly, um, as we're going to see. But there's three words here that go along with these, and this is where we're going to have to put our emphasis. Faith, in this particular case, is demonstrated in work. Love, demonstrated in labor. Sound like the same thing, don't they? Work, labor. Uh, we'll get into the difference in those. And then hope, as demonstrated in steadfastness. Now, this word can mean uh, endurance, and so I'm going to switch back and forth between those as I'm talking. Um, but let's take a look at the first one here. So I need to turn my pen off. Oops, there's an easier way to do that. Turn my pen off. Let's go to the next slide. Now, this first one here says, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith. So we're taking a look at this first one here, and I'm going to turn my pen back on in case I need to write anything here. Um, all right, we, we on? There we are. So remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith. Now, G.K. Beale, uh, like I, I mentioned him a minute ago, he's one of our one of the commentaries that I've gotten. Um, this phrase, um, work, ergon, um, where can I put this here? Uh, Greek word is ergon. It's it's the idea of, um, I mean, just exactly what I think, you, you know, what it sounds like. It's, it's, it's exerting energy to do things. It's working. It's, it's actions, okay? Um, faith, belief, um, we know what this word means. Uh, but the, the way this is stated, work of faith. Now, in the English language and in the Greek in this particular case, this phrase could be understood different ways. It could, it could be like an adjective, faithful work. So the, a work that's of faith. So it's a faithful work. It could mean that. Um, it could mean, um, and it's called appositionally. Don't worry about that. It could mean work that is faith. Okay. That could possibly mean that. But it's best taken, and it's called subjectively. It's best taken subjectively, work that faith does. Okay. So work um, that faith does. So it's work that faith does. And so I love this here. And I think this actually is how the NIV Bible states it. But G.K. Beale points this out that this is a great rend rendering of these words. A work of faith ought to be understood this way. Work produced by faith. So it, it's work that is demonstrated. It's work that's flowing from faith. Paul's thanking God for this. Don't forget the context. Paul's thanking God for this. But let me ask you, what, what might this be? Your actions and your efforts can be traced back to, I think, in this, this case, 
ought to be traced back to faith. So let's say you work hard at your job. You're doing a good job, just trying to be a good employee, right? Doing good things. Um, it ought to be traced back to the fact that you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins and that you're saved by the gospel. Um, let's say uh, you display integrity on, and, and honesty in, in your marriage and your um, and you're at your job again with family, with friends. Why do you do that? Is it just because you don't want to get caught or don't want to get in trouble or don't want to suffer the consequences? Those are all nice things, but work produced by faith is a work that says I'm being honest and, and upholding my integrity because I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, if you go to church, um, if you read your Bible, um, there, there's a lot of reasons why people might do that. Sometimes we, we go to church, we read our Bible, we pray because we're trying to get in on God's good side. That is not a work that's produced by faith. Faith is saying, I believe in Jesus Christ and that I'm saved by the good news of the gospel, that, that it's all because of him that I'm saved. And so I don't do these things because I'm trying to earn anything. I'm doing these things just because I believe in him. My faith, my hope is in him. And so that's what it means but to have a work produced by faith. So your actions and your efforts ought to be traced back to faith. So it's good works, but it's more than that. Um, I used to tell my students all the time when I taught a, a Christian school, um, kids would say, why, why do I need to do this, this work? Why should I you know, do a good job with this particular thing or that particular thing? And, and for the grades... A lot of people did stuff for the grades. A lot of people do stuff for what they get out of it. But as a Christian, we ought to say, I want to do a good job so that, um, and because I just believe in Jesus, regardless of what my outcome here is, work produced by faith. Does that does that make sense? I hope it does. Um, I, I miss the ability to, I wish I could see through the camera who will be watching this and see your faces because your faces usually tell me if I'm making sense or not. I miss that, um, like that interaction. Um, let's go on to the next one here. Uh, labor produced by love. Let me turn my pen off so I can go to the next slide. Okay, a labor of love. So, and now oh. oh, that just turned it right off, didn't it? Um, a labor of love. So, same idea, same idea here. This can be taken a lot of different ways. Uh, labor that's that's loving, right? That way, it can be taken uh, a lot of different ways. But the best way, I think, is found right here. Labor prompted by love. Same idea that it's it's flowing from love. So you have this labor, but now the word labor. Itself a little bit different than just the word work. It's uh, intense labor that's united with trouble and toil. It's the sweat of your brow, right? Um, you might say, "What are you burning yourself out on? What What do you spend your extra efforts on?" Uh, some I've seen it. Some it's their yard, right? Some it's the house. Some it's their career. Some it's family. Some it's these great things like the, the shut-ins. People like go extra effort, extra length to, because, and they're just worried and they care about uh, the elderly and the shut-ins and 
or maybe it's kids. Uh, I think there's so many teachers right now that are just doing great things to try to demonstrate their their care for the kids. And um, maybe it's neighbors or friendships. Well, I don't know what it is for you, um, but whatever it is, what prompts it is the question we ought to ask. What prompts it? For a Christian, um, just like work that is produced by faith, our labor ought to be prompted by love. Love in this context is a love that is understood understood through the lens of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. But labor prompted by love is a demonstration of genuine Christianity and something that all Christians are truly grateful for, just like the previous one. Uh, this is what we're. This is what Paul was grateful for and thankful for. Is this this toil? He he heard of their efforts and their 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 strivings and their toils, and it was one that was prompted by love. He knew somehow it was prompted by love. Um, I think that uh, we could be laboring and toiling on a lot of different things, but uh, our labor ought to be prompted by love. Um, There's some things you can weed out right away. Um, if you're burning yourself out on your yard, I'm going to tell you that's a waste of energy. Sorry to disappoint. Um, nothing wrong with working hard in your yard. No. But there ought to be in every genuine Christian toil that it got stirred up because of love. Let me say that again. That's not in my notes. Um. In every true Christian, there ought to be toil, sweat of the brow, that is prompted by or stirred up by love. Love of your neighbor, love of your enemy, love of God ought to be stirring you up. So there ought to be things in your life that are you're doing that are stirred up because of love. Um, let me take a look at the, the third one here. Um, turn my pen off again. Remembering before our God, uh, Father, your work of faith and labor of love, and this third one here, in steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said, you could you know, make an argument that your faith is in our Lord Jesus Christ. The love is rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. But specifically the hope is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, steadfastness, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of different ways that, that could be understood. I want you to think about it. I, and, a, and a word that I'm, I'm going to use interchangeably is endurance. could mean perseverance. could be patience. could be uh, patient continuance. Patient waiting. Keeping at it. Did I say persistence already? Persisting at something. Keeping at it. Hope. Um, is not like, uh, cross my fingers, hope so. It's not like that. Hope in the Bible is a, um, there's a word I always use for this. Let me see if I can find it in my notes here. Um, oh, here it is. It is a settled assurance. I, I don't remember where I heard that definition, but that's exactly what it is. Hope in the scriptures is a settled assurance. It's it's something, it's it's kind of like um, if you're a mountain climber, it's what your hook is hooked on on the top end of the rope, right? It's, it's That's what I'm clinging to. That's the thing, okay? 
and you'll see these Thessalonians, I think, um, this is what, and I think we're going to see this as we go through this book, this is where they needed built up. Um, and I think that's why Paul mentions it third instead of love this time, but I don't know that. But maybe this is where you're struggling. Think, think with me for a moment. Maybe you've had, as a Christian, you've had work that was produced by faith. It's not perfect. You're not doing it consistently 100% of the time. Okay, let's not dig too far into that. But let's say you know what that is. You've, you've made decisions about good things to do because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's say you've had some labor, toil, you, where you've gone above and beyond, and it was prompted simply because of love. Uh, maybe you were super tired, you heard about a shut-in that needed a meal, and you went, I, I should go do that. And you, So you did it. And it was it was tiring because you had to make the meal, you had to do this, you had to do this, and there's all these things. You had to go, but it was prompted by love. And so you know that. You know that experience. And maybe you've had several, both of these in, in your life as a Christian, and so you get it, okay? But let's say where you struggle is the keeping at it. So there's there's aspects of that, like, yeah, you, you had this thing, but but you start to feel like after a while, like if... I had this thing where I, I visited a shut-in last year, and then it was like last year, and then you start thinking, well, actually, it was a couple of years ago. Um, and, and you find that where you've been struggling is keeping at it, the enduring at these things. And so I think that what we see here is that endurance, Christian endurance, Christian keeping at it, is inspired by hope. Um, endurance inspired by hope is a demonstration of genuine Christianity and something that all Christians are truly grateful for. I mean, we, we are always great. When we see people that are just keeping at it all the time. But I, I'm just, as I read this, I thought, let us let me flip this on its head for a minute, right? Let's flip it around. The, the reason you've been struggling with enduring, so let's say, let me give a few more examples here. Say uh, reading your Bible or, or praying or going to church or choosing to not have sex before you're married um, or choosing to not have sex to somebody that you're not married to. And you like, I know I shouldn't do that. that that's a work of faith to choose not to do that, right? Uh, not getting drunk, not getting um, sinfully high, not maybe it's maybe you're just struggling with loving your neighbor continually or being sacrificial in your life and your giving and uh, maybe you've done these things for a bit, but they didn't last. They didn't stick. I think if we turn this upside down, it might be because you're clinging to flimsy hopes. And I want to tell you, it's worth it to have Christ and lose everything else. It's worth it. Now, I could say, if you don't treasure Christ above all, you probably aren't a Christian. I could say that. If anyone loves, Jesus says, if anyone loves father, mother, brother, sister more than me, he cannot be my disciple. That is a definite application here. Um, and one that we could draw from, from this. But remember, um, well, let me go. Because instead of going that route, I, I want to instead ins seek to inspire hope. Because I think the hope, if you have real hope, that's where the endurance comes from, okay? Um, 
there's a story in Luke 18. Um, I don't know if I have this, but let me turn my clicker off just in case I do. Um, Luke 18, uh, there's a parable. Actually, I'm sorry, it's not a parable. It's a story of a guy who came to see Jesus who was a rich young ruler. It wasn't a parable. Um, real event that happened. Wanted to know how to get to heaven. Jesus laid out, hey, you know, hey, you've done this. And the rich guy was like, I've done this and this and this. I've done all these things. And he says, oh, well, if you've done all that, then sell everything you have, right? Give it to the poor. Um, rich man goes away very sad because he has lots of stuff. He's rich. Um, he, uh, or after this happens, um, the disciples who were there um, were like, well, who can go to heaven? If I mean, if that guy, you know, because Jesus is like, it's, it's tough for a rich person to enter into heaven. And that was mind boggling to them. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but, uh, they were like, well, then who can, and Jesus said, well, God, all things are possible. And then you have Peter. So this is where I was trying to get to. And Peter goes, um, love Peter. He goes, uh, we've given up everything for you, Jesus. Uh, look, look at everything we've given up. We've given up homes and this and that. I mean, they were following Jesus all around. We've given up everything. Now, how he may have said that, a lot of times I've thought of that as a, like an area we've given up everything. I don't think it was. I think it was kind of like a, a moment of realization for Peter, like we've we've given up stuff for you, Jesus. We've given we've we've given up stuff. And Jesus' response, I think, is interesting because I think it's a response that can inspire hope. Um, Jesus said to them, Luke 18, verses 29 and 30, he says, He said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left um, house or wife or brothers or parents or children. For the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. Now, one of the things that I want you to understand as we go to this next slide here. Here's my three points, right? Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, uh, endurance inspired by hope. I hope you learned some things from him, but, but I really, really hope that whoever you are that, that's listening to this right now, I want to begin through First Thessalonians to build in you a hope that this is worth it. The Thessalonian church was young, new to the faith, and we're going to see that they had suffered. Um, people had died. Um, persecution was happening. There, there, was, there was genuine suffering going on in that church. I know that in the church today, in different ways in my church, but in the same ways in churches across this globe, there are people who are suffering for the name of Christ. They're continuing to work, um, and it's produced by faith. They're continuing to labor, and that's prompted by love. Um, 
But I want you to see, whoever you are, that the way that a Christian endures is through hope. And there's so much to be hopeful for. There is, this, this is not, this is not your best life. There is eternal life coming. Um, we will all die. But if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you will stand before him and he will say, come on in. And there's eternal life. It's glorious. It's worth it. There won't be anything, like Jesus said, let me go back. There's not going to be anything that you leave or forfeit, including things that are genuinely precious, wife, brothers, parents, children. There won't be anything that you forsake for the gospel that you won't receive many times more. And I think that this is so essential that Jesus said this to Peter. Um, and I think he says it to us. Um, and I received many more times, many more, uh, many times more in this time before you die. And in the age to come, there's a whole age to come, eternal life. There won't be anything that you give up for the sake of the kingdom of God that you will go. Man, wish I had that. If you struggle with believing that, I want to encourage you as we go through 1 Thessalonians. This is precisely where the Thessalonians were, struggling with hope, what's going to happen. And Paul is going to unpack for them reasons to be filled with hope. They were already enduring. They already had some hope. But Paul will unpack ways and reasons for them to be filled with hope to keep enduring so if you're sitting there and you're going i hear you matt i hear what jesus said but sometimes the christian life feels more like sacrifice than gain um and i want to tell you and i wish i had more time to go into full detail now but i want to tell you it is worth it you cannot, you cannot sacrifice so much that you will live in regret when you're sacrificing for the sake of the kingdom. Well, I'm going to thank you for listening, and um, I want to close in prayer and ask you if you have questions um, to do two things. One, you can send them to me, um, but you can also, um, uh, well, Keep listening to our First Thessalonians passages because Paul, like I said, is going to unpack these things. Thank you for listening. Love you guys. Miss you. Look forward to seeing you again. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day, and I thank you for all that you've done. And I just ask now that you would bless um, everyone who's listening to this. Um, Lord, keep them safe and keep them healthy, Lord, absolutely. But I pray that you would begin to work in those that are struggling with endurance Work in them an understanding of what there is to be hopeful for. God, I ask that as we continue to study 1 Thessalonians, that you will help us to see the things that Paul spoke about as relevant to us as well. And Lord, again, I pray that you'd be with all those listening. 
Lord, bring us back together again soon. In Jesus' name I pray.